Previously on J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Magic. God right. damn it. <laughs> Previously on Dick Wolf's Chicago one. Magic. <laughs> I like that one. Dick Wolf's Dial and Magic. Oh, see, that would have been better. So in the last session, our party attempted to convince a local fighter to throw her boxing match. Uh, with mixed success. In public, in front of other people. Yep. Yes. Uh, and that is worth mentioning. Ugh! Definitely in front of other people. I um mean, yeah. And while Treble got his ass handed to him, there is the possibility that Nate, through the power of fear, might have influenced this fighter to, to throw her game. By Nate, you mean Vincent. And by Nate, I mean Vincent. And by Vincent, I also mean Herman, who needed to bring out Vincent. Uh, I'm all over the place today. I'm a loose cannon. It was a team effort. That was the bulk of the session, actually. So, at this point, um, you've got, like, half a day until you go to the, to the docks or to the embassy to meet uh, with the rest of the expedition. If there's anything you guys want to do, now would be the time for that. If not, we can just hand wave and have time pass. Well, Trouble's just gonna... Trouble got his ass kicked, so he's just... He's chilling and grilling until, uh... <laughs> until it's time to... He's, until the last got, minute when he has to leave. He's got one of Herman's pocket stakes on his eye to try to get rid of a black eye. <laughs> his pocket stakes? Oh my god, <laughs> the yes. They always come the fact that the stake is in a pocket means it's not cold, which means there's no reason to put it on your black eye, but I do like you doing it anyway. But you know that... Trouble wouldn't know any different. He's just seen other people with a black eye put a stake on their eye and goes, I think that's what you're supposed to do. Hey, Harmon, you've got a stake. You slap it on me. And then he does slap it on him. And it's just like that wet slapping meat sound. It's just... And then Bass would stand on his head licking the stake. <laughs> like He's trying to rip it off my face. I'm like, Bass, no, stop it. Cut it out. Just doing little kitty biscuits in your hair. Like, on the top of your head while licking and gnawing on the top of the steak. Little kitty biscuits in little climbing gloves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little right. climbing gloves. Also, I've never heard the term kitty biscuits, and I like it. You've never fan. heard kitty biscuits? <laughs> no. That's what kitties do. They make biscuits. They do the... I'm... They're When they need on you, because they're making biscuits. Yeah. All right, it's time for the opening radio broadcast. <laughs> this is the new Bastalone News Service with a special news bulletin regarding the local municipal election. Chinston Molehill has won the election and will become the 36th mayor of New Bastalone. In his speech, he has advocated a return to law and order, SVU. Furthermore, he has announced the creation of a new vice squad dedicating to taking down society's most salacious businesses. This has been Nigel Feathers wishing you good night and good luck. Uh, okay, so I'm assuming then that you're back at the Cheerful Raven. Why don't we have a quick check-in? What is the total gold situation? I cannot be trusted to keep track of that shit. I was going to say, we're going to check in with our accountant yeah. kitty. I have 151 gold right now, but there's also a bunch of stuff in my notes that I haven't distributed, and we haven't gotten that. that. Yeah, that's what I was going to lead into. So, 151, you say? 
Well, that's how much I have, but there's... I have I have 32 gold left after there... giving uh, Margaret Thatcher 50 of my gold. Give me a second. I sound like every okay. British person in the 90s. Yeah. Margaret Thatcher, and the, and the I gave 80. Margaret Thatcher half my gold. <laughs> I gave Margaret Thatcher half my gold. That damn witch bitch. And then she, they say cunt a lot there. They do. They they do, they do do that. If you're a listener from Britain, let us know how much you're still saying cunt over there. <laughs> I mean, when I watch or Australia, videos, there's a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, they like to use cunt too. Do do. Okay, I think we also have an extra. And listeners, tweet me if I'm wrong. We all have an extra forty-three gold and five silver. Because that hasn't been distributed yet, I know. 43 gold and 5 silver for each of us? I'm a method actor, so just like Herman, I have no idea how much money I have. So, That's also my excuse. I, I want that one, too. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we we play dumb people. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble also plays a dumb Trouble person. Trouble is a little bit smarter... He's... Than, than the two of us. <laughs> Treble at least has some street smarts. Street smarts. That Herman yeah. and Red don't have. Alright, oh, so we're at the Cheerful Raven. Yep. Uh, so, are we... You said it was like halfway through the day that we're supposed to meet him? No, I said you have about half a day until you meet them. So any time today. And that's in front of the embassy where you meet up with them and then you will proceed to the docks as a group. All right, we will have an Indiana Jones-esque sequence where you travel about four city blocks on a map. And now, or a Muppet-esque sequence, actually, where we travel Travel by by map. map. And arriving at the Kebron Embassy. Previously, I mentioned that there were, like, Kebron guards out front. Those guards are still there. They have now been joined by uh, two folks in, like, pretty common traveling clothes. Uh, you see a male Earth Genasi who has like a backpack with climbing equipment um, and they've got like a little cart next to them and you can see like one of those old-timey diving suits in it uh, along with a large uh, metallic bell, like a diving bell that's been lashed to this cart. Uh, You also see just like excavation equipment so shovels crowbars ropes that sort of thing you also see and this would be somewhat unusual for all of you um a sea elf woman who is giving directions to uh, a couple of the guards who are kind of loading things into this cart that is what you see at the beginning and taking notice of you the earth genasi uh comes over it's like hey i'm kenny just Kenny? Well, Kendall, but um, I prefer Kenny. Hi, Kenny. Hey, uh, so uh, you roughly match the description that uh, good old Harvey in there gave about who would be helping us on this here expedition. Is, uh, is that you guys? Yes, uh, we will be providing any uh, protection that you, you may need and uh, just valuable service to whatever you might require. I'm ready to dig some holes. 
Ah, right. Well, uh, about that. Uh, where we're going, you you definitely don't want to be doing that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, anyway, have you met uh, Dr. Percival? And he points over to the sea elf. No, we've just met your associate who hired us, and anyone else would be great to meet. Oh, yeah. Harvey is, uh, well... Bastard. Yeah. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, come over here, come over here. And he kind of ushers you all over, and uh, the sea elf takes notice of you in turn. It's like, Doc, these are the uh, the protection folks for the expedition. And she makes a point of taking and shaking each of your hands and introduces herself as Dr. Mara Percival. From the University of Zarnak. Okay, so you said Doc because I thought you said Duck and that her name was Duck. I I said Doc. Okay, I still would like to call her Duck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, you can do that. Um, I will go for Dan, I just have a I just have a quick question for you. Do you call your personal doctors in real life ducks as well and how well do they respond you know, to that i mean if you say it fast enough they can't tell the difference. i don't call them that but also i do feel like my personal doctor and i um talked a lot of shit last time we were there about just how other doctors are annoying so i feel like she would be on board with me calling her duck as a joke she's pretty chill and like I said, if you just say it fast enough, nobody knows the difference. Hey, duck. Yeah, I kind of want to try it now hey, duck. to see if I can get away with it. Mm. I serve physical therapy on Monday. Monday, maybe I'll. Do yeah, that. do that. All right, we all shake hands. We with the all duck. do that. As uh, she shakes the last of your hands, she's like, "Oh, well, before I forget, uh, here you go." And she hands over to you, Kitty, a stamped and kind of embossed cloth bag, which jingles. You are getting 400 gold plus 15 per four expenses per person, so I, th- I guess that's 460 in total. We're so rich. We could buy so many steaks with that. Okay, so you did you hear that? You each get 115 gold. 115 write gold. Write it down. <laughs> I will write that somewhere. There is, if you're on D&D Beyond, who does not sponsor us, there's a whole gold inventory page. They clearly don't easy. sponsor us because we've talked about how much we hate their dice every time we roll bad. That's well, I think everybody feels that way. Also, their pride dice are really cool. This those are those were pretty cool. Um, if I had any complaints, it would be about the font that they've chosen for for their new stuff. But that's relatively minor, and the customer and I think it's is gone right. Back now. Because oh really? Oh yeah, because I have my character sheet open. The name is different. Oh, you're right. This does look better. Yeah. Huh. I, okay. I well, take I take it back. back. Very quickly. I take it. They heard our complaints. I they listen to our podcast. I take it back. Like, hey. and, and please, uh, yeah, please consider sponsoring us. That would be that would be great. We know you have that money, that Watson yeah. money. So sponsor us, baby. Some of us um, live in Seattle. Wizards of the Coast is not that far away. And some of us live in Portland. Which is, which is also not, not that, that far, far away. away. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure uh, that also describes everybody in this podcast, either in Seattle or yeah, in Portland. Yeah, hit us up, Wizards. That is correct. 
Um, so we're desperate. Give us money. Hey, also we have a Patreon now. We have guys. a Patreon. It's gonna have good stuff on it very soon. Give us we money. We have Give our first money. patron. Yeah, that's true. A uh, big shout out to Sophia. We love Sophia. After introductions and after the gold has been paid, Dr. Percival is going to give you a brief rundown of what you'll be doing. Like, alrighty, today, well, actually, for the next few days, uh, we're going to be going out to the underwater dig site, which is about an eight-hour boat ride in that direction, and she points off to the southeast. We have chartered a fast boat to get us out there. We've used them before. They're very reliable. Don't take anything they say personally. And she makes sure to keep eye contact with each of you. We are going to be looking for... And she, like, takes out a little notebook and, like, flips a couple pages. We are looking for the burial site of Sakesh Third, also known as Sakesh the Obscure. We are looking for canopic jars, jewelry, and other items of cultural significance... I'm assuming Harvey gave you the spiel about uh, salvage and that sort of thing. Uh, anything you find there that doesn't fall into a culturally significant artifact category, you can keep. Who, like, defines what's culturally significant? The doctor, who is the one running the... She, also, what's up she makes eye job? contact with you and just says, I do. All right. We'll just run it all by you. Now, if you'll excuse me for one moment, I have to attend to a uh, somewhat ab- embarrassing matter. And she turns, and she there. you didn't really notice it at first because they're kind of hidden by, by the cart, but there's a, for lack of a better term, what you would guess to be like some sort of salesman. He's got like a little hand cart, and he's got like a bunch of jewelry hanging from a rack on it. The voices are kind of hushed, but there's a lot of, like, wild gesturing and counting on fingers, and... Can, it's... Uh, so I so I have observant, so I can read lips. Can I... Can okay. Because she's turned her back to us, but can I see what he's saying? Yes, you can. Uh, you can hear, or rather, you can read the phrase, I'm sorry, that I, that there's no way for me to make a market for the valuables that you bring out of the crypt out of these tombs. The instability of the cryptocurrency market precludes no. me from wanting to no. buy these things. <laughs> I... This is incredible. I love that It's joke. very good. Thank you. So that, that's what you're able to read. Um, after some, some further gesticulation, this guy takes his card and goes home. You're able to pick out kind of contextually that this is just a person that they've been using to like get just basically just to sell some of the less valuable wares. It's not uncommon to find like even like old currency. It's sort of valuable, but not really because a lot of it's made of like base metals and iron isn't generally speaking all that expensive. So that's kind of the gist of what we're going for here. So after this is after that situation is resolved, she returns to all of you and says, "All right, if there's nothing else that you all need, uh, we will be heading to the docks presently." Uh, I think we're ready to go. We appreciate the business. Let's do this thing. And Herman cracks his knuckles. Okay, uh, I'm a little beat up, but uh, it's just you should see the other person. So. They look 
considerably better. <laughs> can I try and roll? De- can I try and roll deception to try and convince this person that I beat Margaret Thastis? Yeah, sure. Why not? I do not. Okay. It's a, it's a nine. Sounds about right. But I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but the only thing it looks like you beat is your meat. Uh, so... I like this. <laughs> Triple looks down at Bass really sad. Bass has no sympathy either, so he's just, like, giving me the cold... Sh- he's giving me the ear. You know when a cat's, like, facing away from you, and they, like, turn their little satellite dish ears towards you? So he's totally listening to what I'm saying, but he's just... He's not sympathetic at all. But cares not for your plate. Even as you're looking kind of crestfallen, uh, Kenny comes up and gives you a pat on the back, and he's like, in a really cheerful way, he's like, Ah, don't worry about it, bud. She's like that with everybody. If she makes fun of you, it means she, she thinks you're all right. Did you hear that, Herman? I think she has a crush on me. No. Oh. So, without further ado, there's a little, a tiny little pony attached to the cart, and uh, Kenny begins leading the the, uh, pony, along with the cart, down to the docks, followed by the doctor. So, I'm assuming you all follow Follow along with them. (laughs) Okay. As you're going down the street, uh, you hear the familiar sound of horse hooves, and you see another contingent of the Storm Riders. This one is a little different, though, for a couple of reasons. Um, The armor in this particular group is more ornate, and uh, at the front, there is a centaur wearing no armor at all, but is wearing, or holding in one arm, like a helmet which has, like, bull horns on it. And Treble, go ahead and roll Perception. Hey, uh, that is a... 22. I actually rolled good for once. Because it's perception. That's only the only time you're allowed to roll good is perception. <laughs> it's perception. I can perceive things from far off. The only thing you can't perceive is punches that are about to hit you in the face. Yay! <laughs> Treble, you notice that on the neck of this centaur, first of all, they're covered in tattoos with a lot of religious imagery, but kind of nestled in the middle of those tattoos is the horseshoe symbol for the Cloven Hoof Coalition. So this person's coming over to us. Are they coming over to talk to Kevin or are they talking to us? They're they're walking in the opposite direction. They're, you're just going to pass them in the street. Ah, okay, okay. How close are they passing by us? Within a couple of feet. Like, it's it's a narrow enough street that you've got, like, maybe a couple feet between the cart and where they're walking. This centaur is at the head of the column. It's a column of, like, two by eight, so 16, 17 people. Real quick, I want to go, hey, cool tat, bro. And then I lift my sleeve and point at my Betty White tattoo that I got on the submarine. <laughs> oh, fuck. God, I forgot about your Betty White Did tattoo. That, that was canon. Remember, or, Nate, Nate can't remember how much money his character has, but he can remember all the dumb <laughs> shit. He, <laughs> he, he the tattoos, the tattoos yes. and the ketchup on steaks. I remember the, the important, important things. things. The important yeah. things, right. So as you say this, Herman... The centaur, the lead centaur kind of turns to you, and he does that handshake, which is like the Roman one where you grab the forearm. Nice. Thank you, brother. I've got good bones on you. As he's shaking Herman's hand, I'm going to 
try and as subtly as I can get his attention. And I'm going to flip the inside of my left hand coat pocket, which is where the um, my pen from the Cloven Hoof Coalition is. Okay. Because I have it pinned on the, like the inside of the cloak, so if I kind of pull it down, I can show people. So I'm trying to like kind of subtly show him, and then just like give him like a little nod of recognition. I'm not not trying to make a big scene right now, unless if he wants to talk to me. But I'm just kind of wanting to show him, and then kind of make mental note of who this person might be. So in case I want or need to talk to them later, I can. The handshake that he gives Herman is pretty brief, and he kind of turns to you, and he notices your action, and he fixes, he looks at you directly in the eyes and gives you a slight nod. Hello, Brother Sater. And he reaches out his hand to you as well. I will shake his hand. Hello, Brother Santar. Are you here on business, or? You could say that. Uh, A mercenary's life is always business. I am Zyron. Commander of this contingent of the Storm Riders. Zyron, nice to meet you. My name is Trouble. This is Herman, that is Kiddy, and that is Red. Lovely to meet all of you. I, I want to kind of make mental notes of, like, his description and kind of who he is. And I'll, in passing, be like, Uh, we are staying at the Cheerful Raven. We are headed out on a merc- mercenary quest ourselves, but, uh, we are staying at the Cheerful Raven, if you, uh, are ever in need of some company. That is good to know. We are stationed here for the next three months, and I'm sure we'll meet again. I am the... I am the battle priest for this contingent. Battle priest. Treble thinks that's super cool. He's <laughs> just like, Herman, did you He's a battle priest. That's pretty fucking cool. This might be the coolest centaur I've ever met. How many... Yeah, how many centaurs do you know? (laughs) I mean, he's the first, but he's very cool. (laughs) With that, he's like, I must resume my patrol. You know where to find me. Actually, it'd be great if you didn't actually know where to find him. Trouble doesn't, but he gives a nod like, yeah, I definitely do. And makes a mental note of, I'm going to have to figure that out when I get back. the statement infers that, like, people who lived here would generally know where to find him, but we don't live here, so we don't. Well, if he's part of the Storm Riders, I'm assuming he will be staying at the Storm Riders, like, barracks House. like what is the deal with the storm where do they reside we we can find I, out I, later I, I mean i said it like when you first arrived in the city oh, we don't it's have on main memory. street okay it, they're not I hard to find. i couldn't remember i couldn't remember the size of the was it like a good size building though um it because of how it's situated like the building itself is large but you're not sure how far back it goes so it could be really large or just a little large as a treat. Doesn't look like much from the street, but once you get in there, house has got a real ass on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an always sunny reference. <laughs> uh, Trouble gives him a nod and proceeds forward following Kevin. Kendall. Kenny. Uh, what, what the fuck do I care? Okay, yeah. Uh... <laughs> 
Hey, if I got called Trevor for the first, like, eight episodes, I can call this person oh, Kevin. Oh, it was way more than eight episodes. It's definitely it more than eight episodes. Just uh, a few episodes ago. And that's not even counting all the times you were just called Trouble. So you pass by this contingent of storm riders, and you arrive. Uh, you end up going down a ramp, kind of like the one that you went down or you went up when you first arrived at the city. And you actually go through an opening in the seawall, and you're now on the outside of the seawall. And there's just like a huge dock section with various boats tied up and just a general shipyard. Boats under construction, getting worked on, that sort of thing. Kenny knows where he's where he needs to go. Uh, one thing that you notice, a lot of the dock workers seem to be goblins. There is a, not an abnormally high, but a higher than average percentage of goblins in this workforce. And when you arrive finally at the, at the destination, uh, you see that this boat is also crewed mostly by goblins. And you see from the epaulets on, on the collar that the, uh, the captain of this ship is an Aarakocra styled like a seagull. And upon seeing Kenny and the wagon walk up, kind of waddles his way down the gangplank, and they start talking. This boat, is it the size of, like, a normal like old sea boat or is it like a, a smaller like pontoon boat or like what's what's the style of this boat it's more akin to a speed boat it's not very wide and it looks very much like it's just built to be fast um it doesn't have pontoons just a single hull so not like a catamaran or anything um, it has, like, a space on the deck specifically for cargo, which makes it a little bit unusual. It also looks a little bit... And, Treble, you would know this just because you're on the more, uh, for lack of a better word, criminal side of the group. It looks an awful lot like the sort of boat that you would use if you were smuggling, just because it's fast and has good cargo capacity. Is it kind of like the speedboat that we took with Frankie Fourfingers? Um, it's, 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 a, it's bigger and it's a little nicer. Frankie clearly didn't invest in his boat division of his crime empire. Uh, this one actually looks like it's been kept up pretty well. And on the side of the boat is written, or painted rather, Wave Ripper. The place is real gobble fest, am I right? And I try and get Treble to give me a high five. <laughs> Treble does the, like, reluctant high five where he it's more like he puts his hand up he doesn't go in for the high five he just kind of puts his hand up and lets herman hit you turn it. around and, and red is very enthusiastically giving you a high five even though he was not invited to the high five party <laughs> just picturing us giving a high five and then red coming in with the in the middle and like sticking yep. his hand in the yep, middle yep. and just like i'm, I'm here, here too, too. <laughs> oh, forgive me <laughs> After a minute of talking, uh, Kenny comes back to all of you and says, uh, Captain Lem says it's okay to board now, so if I could get your help, big fella, in uh, unloading some of this stuff, I'd be most grateful. Most grateful. Trouble steps forward and is like, yeah, I got this, I got this. <laughs> oh boy. Um, go ahead and make a strength check. <laughs> yes. Can we all do this? And can Herman and I have advantage because we worked out last night? Sure. Why not? I mean, working out usually doesn't make you stronger the next day. It makes you sore the next well, day. Well, 
Let me dream. <laughs> <laughs> what did you get? Does an eight succeed? No. Um, I got a 16. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. Uh, Kenny's going to get in the back, and he's going to start handing... It takes several people to kind of maneuver it carefully, but he's going to take that old diving suit and start unloading that. And as soon as he hands it to you, Treble, you drop it, and the leg portion of the suit falls off. Oh, no. Like, into the water? No, just onto the dock. It's not supposed to do Shit, that. does anybody have mending? I don't. <laughs> Kenny, like, looks at you, and he looks annoyed, but he's like, Ah, don't worry about it. I, I design and fix stuff like this all the time. I can do it. Now, uh, could I get the bigger and perhaps stronger fella to help me with this? And he points to the diving bell. You got it, pal. Red steps up and goes, got it. Got it. Even better. And then he he flexes his muscle like in the cartoons and it goes up a little bit, but then it falls over and swings a little bit. I wasn't asked to do a strength check, but I did roll one Mm. and I did get a 16. Take that into account. I think think you just... You just made it so that Treble didn't drop the whole thing on the ground. He just dropped the leg portion on the ground. Yeah, okay. I helped Treble out. You're right. You helped Treble. Yeah, that's the reason why it didn't fall into the water. Go ahead and roll another one if you're if you're so intent on, on helping. Me? Uh, no, the other red. Okay, you didn't say red. <laughs> that time it was a 12. Yeah, it's a little tricky. The diving bell is significantly heavier than the suit between the three of you you're able to maneuver it uh off of the cart and uh onto the dock and a couple of the goblins have brought like a little wheeled cart out that you can set this on and as soon as you put it down on that they kind of wheel it away up onto the boat and start lashing it to the deck and finally uh kenny is going to he's going to make sure you're looking at him first so that he doesn't like blindside you but he's gonna throw a couple of duffel bags uh at both of you red and uh treble and these would be full of like the the excavation equipment great actually roll dexterity both of you uh is that that's just straight up dexterity. dexterity correct 12 again can i stop rolling it uh that's a 14 it's a little tough you get you don't really take into account the force in which they're thrown so you do get like slammed in the chest a little bit but you are able to hold on to them i was kind of hoping for one of those things where you get like completely bowled over by a duffel (laughs) bag full of tools but that was not to be you said we're going on a diving expedition and i only see one diving suit here uh do you have something for the rest of us too, or do we just got the free swim? Because my cat won't be down for that. Yeah, about that. So Trouble. I was given to understand that uh, when your partner met with uh, old Harvey, uh, he mentioned that you had some sort of apparatus for yourselves already. Yes, I have a cloak that we were g- given when we were. On the submarine. I have one. I have one. Some have some one. of us have yeah. that. Uh, others of us who are in are uh, a, a c- cat. The 
Maybe well, base, no, I, maybe base could stay on the boat. No, I, I'm I'm more referencing the fact that I personally gave my cloak back to the people. What'd you do that for? Oh. Well, they said that they could either give it back or and not give them gold, or I could give them gold and keep it, and I didn't really want to spend my gold, so I gave it back. All right, well, hold your breath, I guess. <laughs> like, how how far down are we talking? Like, 10 feet, 15 feet? Like, I, can, I can hold my breath, right? Kenny looks at you with kind of a quizzical expression. He can't really tell if you're being serious or not, but he's like, well, it'll be a depth of about 250 feet. At this point, he actually gets a little upset. You think we brought this diving bell for fucking 10 feet of water? <laughs> well, like, I don't know, like, look at how long I can hold my breath. And Trouble does, Ugh! and he just sits there and holds his breath for as long as he can. And I go, yeah, Trouble's great at holding his breath. And then I pat him on the back really hard. <laughs> and that's when he exhales. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm convinced. <laughs> Those of you who are equipped to go down that far, uh, you're welcome to join. But uh, we also would not mind having a couple people stay on the boat proper. So you all can talk amongst yourselves and figure out if you want to do that or not. Otherwise, we got to pay a little extra to the to the folks on the boat. Uh, hazard pay, as it were. Yeah, do they have like a, a, a diving suit that I could like rent for the day? Or is that not a, not a thing? Please or is there hold. like a surf shop nearby that I can go rent like a scuba suit or? Um, you know you what? Can, you Just for the sake of argument, thing. I'm gonna say that yes, they do keep a, admittedly rather beat up, cloak of the manta ray on the boat that you could use. Like, oh hey, look what we just found. <laughs> well, that's convenient. Oh look, the thing that you already had but refused to buy. <laughs> <laughs> so trouble will give them. He doesn't know how much it costs to rent this thing, so he gives them 20 gold and calls it a day. Oh, also, the captain, uh, Lem, the seagull Aarakocra, has come up and introduced himself to all of you. And he introduces uh, the rest of his crew. There are a total of five other goblins named Gravlox, Nox, Appomattox, Sox, and Rocks. I love them. I love all uh, of them. Oh, yeah, the mm-hmm. Ox Brothers. The I fact like... that one of them is named Socks, incredible. Oh, I like, I liked Gravlox. Yeah, that's my favorite Socks one, too. Socks is the non-binary one. I mean, that could also be true for rocks. I, yeah. And Gravlox. And Gravlox. All of them. You, can't but... gen- you can't gender I'm ungendering, <laughs> and I'm allowed. <laughs> I can make okay. this joke, and none of it's you a... all can. It's a full non-binary boat. Yeah. <laughs> so the time has come to board the boat. Captain Lem kind of like, well, he hands each of you like a life vest. A very, very used life vest, which he explains is for safety and visibility. He also dons a pair of like aviator goggles like pilots would wear, old-timey pilots. And then he gives like a hand signal to... Uh, one of the goblins. Gravlox is going to start up the motor, and it immediately is very loud. He hands each of you, like, basically a set of earmuffs, and you put out to sea. Um, And at this point, we cue the Muppet Treasure Island music, 
and the crew starts which singing song? and cleaning the ship. Which Muppet uh, this would this song? would be the Hey Ho will okay, go great. anywhere the wind is blowing. Sailing for adventure on the which big we blue can't play, thing. of course, for copyright yes, but reasons. I can sing but that part. the voyage has begun. Oh fuck, that wasn't even intentional. Uh, uh, the voyage has begun. What do you guys want to do for the next six-ish hours? Or we can hand wave it. I mean, we can't really talk. We've got ear earphones or earmuffs on, and an engine going behind us. So. Yeah, hand wave that shit. On a visual note, though, Treble in his like the life jacket that he was given, it's it's clear that they gave him the jacket that was meant for Herman, and they gave Herman the jacket that was meant for me. So, like, Treble looks like a little kid who's, like, you can just barely see his horns coming out of, like, the, the huge life vest that he's wearing. And I like to think that Herman's just, like, wearing this excessively tight, like, life vest trying to, like, he has to, like, suck in to, like, clip the, the life vest together. Yeah, it takes multiple tries. I'm just like, Hand wave! It's getting on towards evening. And at this point, the speed of the boat has slowed to the point where the earmuffs are no longer needed. And you can see that Dr. Mara and Kenny and the captain are kind of clustered over like a little wooden table that's been set up on the deck. Uh, you see a nautical chart and a compass and one of them has a stopwatch. You can see them kind of plotting like grid lines on where they need to dive. And after a while, Lem shouts to Gravlox, who is on the the helm, to cut the engine. And you slow to a stop in the middle of the deep blue ocean. Dr. Mara comes over and explains that it's too late in the day to dive, and we need some natural light, so we're going to wait until tomorrow morning. So now you get to camp out on the deck and look at all of the stars that you wouldn't normally be able to see in the big city. Because that's what happens when you're on the open ocean. Are we gonna... You get to see more stars. Are we gonna tell spooky ghost stories or be attacked by a ghost while camping here? I was gonna have you roll for a random encounter, so... Excellent. Go ahead and whichever... Talk amongst yourselves. Only one of you needs to do this, but roll a d20. I want to roll my Caldwell dice. It's rolled really well. Okay. Okay. Do it, do it. 12. 12. Okay. That sounds like a good one. It's a kraken. I'm sure 12 is very, very good. You hear the sound of spraying water, and then just at the edge of your visual range, you see a whale surface. (gasps) and uh, do, like, a tail flip and then dive again. Uh, I love whales. Did you guys see the size of that fish? I love whales. Herman's never seen a whale. (laughs) Red's definitely never seen a whale either. I had an uncle named Ahab. He used to hunt those things. Uh, Lost his leg once, and uh, he hunted for this certain (laughs) whale for the rest of his life, so I've seen a few whales in my time. None of what you've said really? is true. <laughs> nothing, nothing for the Moby Dick joke? Fine, fuck you all, fuck you. Make a regular dick joke, we'll no, laugh we, more because we're we got, kind we of We got dummies. the Moby Dick joke, we just said no to it. You, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I had originally thought to name one of the goblins Ishmael, and I didn't. 
And I feel really vindicated <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, you do see the whale. Somebody else also go ahead and roll a d20. I'll do it. 18. Okay. You witness a small meteor shower. Oh god, I was right. Yeah, uh, you see probably 6 to 12 flashing meteors go over. The sky is falling, what do we do? <laughs> the rest of the night passes without incident. Between both of those rolls, you guys, like, found the perfect avoidance of the bad things that could have happened, so... We're really good at avoiding anything that you, like, plan. It's true, uh, which <laughs> I applaud in this case, and I detest in most others, but, uh, yeah, that works out works out fine. I had on here the rogue wave from, like, the Poseidon adventure that oh, swamps geez. the boat. An iceberg, which would be funny, because it's kind of tropical where you all are the day dawns looks to be a beautiful day on the open ocean and herman didn't get any sleep because he was scared he was gonna get eaten by a whale or killed by the sky <laughs> killed by the sky yeah killed by the sky was falling because it was a meteor got it got Dummy. it <laughs> so after a hearty breakfast of salted fish because that's what you have just salted fish and dry biscuits the time has come to begin setting up the diving bell. This begins by, they've got like a miniature crane or hoist on the back of the boat. Gravlox and Nox move the bell over to the back and start attaching it to this hoist. The rest of the goblins are helping outfit Kenny in this diving suit. Dr. Mara opens up each of the duffel bags that you all helped carry aboard and starts distributing tools to each of you. So you each receive, and you can choose to mark this down or not. I've got a list, but that's just personal preference. You receive a length of rope about 75 feet in length, uh, a crowbar, a shovel, a chisel, a hammer... And a pair of weighted boots. Herman is very excited about every item as he receives it. Um, These uh, weighted uh, boots, are they, like, good for people with hooves? I show off my hooves. Well, uh... To be honest, uh, Troubadour, I'm not sure. I can't say that we've ever tested this on a satyr before. Oh, there's a first time for everything. He puts the boots on. Hey, worst case scenario, I'm sure I can find a piece of rock down there and I can tie you to that. Oh, I did actually forget a couple of things. Uh, she also distributes to each of you uh, a pair of underwater flares. So basically you pull on a piece of foil uh, and then they will have a, a bright red glow. Uh, that you can carry with you or that you can leave in one place. And finally, she hands each of you a pair of goggles um, that are made uh, red. Go ahead and roll Arcana. Let me do that. Let me do that real quick. Um, yeah, I, that's an intelligence-based skill. So... So that's going to be a 9 minus 1, an 8. Okay. Uh, well, they look like really nice diving goggles. Cool goggles. So, good job. <laughs> Everybody gets a pair. Um, they, from a, they don't 
do much from a gameplay perspective. Um, actually, that's not true. They will, while you're wearing them, they will give you plus one to your AC. Does Treble because have they the are... opportunity to Arcana check these bitches? If he wants he to, also sure. Is a magic fella. I am a magic Hell, fella. I have plus six. That's what my mom used to tell me. Wait, you do? Yes. I mean, if you want to yeah. check too, I didn't realize yours was that the high. Intelligence out of all of us. Because I've done like research because I was interested in the floating cities. So that is true. That is true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll Caldwell's dice again. It rolls really well for me. And not this time though. I it's a nine. It still looks like a nice pair of glasses. Great. Uh, Underwater glasses I, we love. I got an 11. No, I Good just got a 13. God. A 13. Um, they've been fortified with some sort of abjuration magic. The doctor explains that basically they should be resistant to most forms of bludgeoning damage. Hence the increase in AC while you wear them. Um, also, it keeps the water out of your eyes. So, Everyone's checking out the goggles. Meanwhile, Herman's just in the background swinging the hammer around. Did you guys see this? It's an Irwin. This is a good hammer. <laughs> and yes, I googled hammer brands. <laughs> it's that attention to detail that's really drawn people to our podcast. That's what drew us year. all to Nate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this point, Kenny's going to kind of go around... Or actually, he just kind of gets you all in a group. And he's like, all right. And he's in this diving suit. He hasn't put on the helmet yet. He's looking at each of you. All right. Now, how many of you have ever dived in deep water before? All of us. We yeah. All oh, yeah. We have, I mean, we, I don't know if that was diving in, uh, so much as it was being uh, uh, shot out of a cannon. But yeah, we did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we we did some swimming and some shooting and some yeah we we've been in the water before. We're all persuasion trouble. You get advantage because he's telling the truth. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so rare that that happens. <laughs> uh, that's a sixteen on persuasion. See, that's the only time. Wow. Persuasion and perception. Those are your good rolls. He looks skeptical, but he's convinced. Alrighty, well, I don't have to tell you all about the safety measures then. All I would say is, uh, this is an area that's known for having a higher than average uh, percentage of sharks in the water. We will be diving at such depth that there will also be other concerns. So, always have a buddy. Remain linked together with lifelines as much as possible. If you have a problem, pull on your rope rapidly, twice. And whoever's next to you should come over and help. Are there any questions? Can my cat stay on the boat? Or do you have, like, a, last time I had this little contraption that I could put him in this bag and he would let out of the bag? Oh, actually, you know what we can do? And he uh, reaches into, the, into one of the duffel bags and he pulls out uh, a nautical salvage bag, which you would recognize because it's very similar to what base was put in before. <laughs> um, so it'll keep everything in it more or less dry and it's airtight. Um, the downside is that it's not transparent, so you're essentially just shoving a cat into a bag where it also, can't do anything. it has a limited amount of air. 
Yeah, I mean, you could throw like a shrub in there or something to give him air, but no, no, no. no. I thought that was funny. That was good. I liked that one. Uh, I just picture Bass looking at the bag and then looking at Treble, just like, please don't put me in the bag. (laughs) I'm going to look down. I'm going to roll a d4, and odds are that Bass gets in the bag. Or should I roll a persuasion attempt and trying to get him back in the bag again? Yeah, try to Persuasion's try good. to persuade a cat to get in a bag with no air. Oh, yeah, that's you what you did last time. <laughs> I I have another option actually for Herman. If you would like to roll, I'll let you choose between a just a regular intelligence check or a nature check. You said intelligence check, and I immediately smiled. I'm gonna go with intelligence check. Okay. Because he's refusing to choose the thing that might give him a good outcome. (laughs) Yeah, I have a plus two to nature, but I'm going intelligence, so I have a minus one, so I get nine. (laughs) Okay. Based on your understanding of just, like, how machinery works and basic physics, like you might have used while being a handyman, using household items provided, can you fashion a rudimentary cat-sized scuba suit? I got a nine, but now I'm really sad because now I really want to make that scuba suit. Well, no, you still well, can. You, you, it just might just not be optimal. One. Or you could yeah, choose one of good. the other skills and take what you roll yeah. and add those <laughs> no. skills. Too late. The ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> now do I need to roll? still need to roll persuasion to, to convince Base to put the scuba suit, the rudimentary scuba suit on and to get into the bag? Sure. Yeah, why not? Okay, Base. Listen to me. So we have to go back down underwater, and I know you want to come with me. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to put on this thing that Herman made for you. You like Herman. He's going to treat you real nice. So he made this for you, and then we'll put you in this bag. It's very airtight for now. And uh, uh, so, yeah, what do you think, buddy? I don't think I persuade him with a 13. No, I don't think so. He just sits in the bag, but like anytime anybody tries to like pull the pull the bag up, he's like swipes at their hand. So he's just sitting in a bag like on the floor, <laughs> defending it. Just like, uh, okay, so doesn't look like he wants to come this time. So I think he's just gonna stay on the boat. Gravlox is sort of a cat person, so I'm sure that they can they can have fun up here. This is how this is gonna go. I'm gonna need two of you, whichever, however many of you. Well, actually, I should ask that out out of game. How many of you are planning on doing what? There are three things you can you can choose to do here. You can stay on the boat. You can be outside of the diving bell with Kenny, or you can be inside the diving bell with the doctor. Do you need people to do all three of these things? I don't need. I need people. No, I don't. There's no. There's no requirement either way. No wrong answers. I'll be outside the bell. I'll be with outside one for outside. Okay, two outside the bell, one with the doctor and treble. I'll I'll be inside the bell with the doctor too. Okay. So at this point, those of you that retained your cloak of the manta ray, go ahead and you know equip it. Pull the hood up. 
Pull the hood up, put those glasses on. The doctor has, uh, she also has a cloak of the manta ray. The diving bell is slowly lowered into the water. She kind of does a dolphin dive over the side of the boat and then gets in the bell, uh, joined by the two of you. Outside, Kenny's got a spear gun and puts on his weighted boots and then does a little diver's flip over the side and slowly begins sinking into the water, followed by the rest of you. Herman does a cannonball and yells the word cannonball. Cannonball! (laughs) The sea is a very light tropical blue, and for the first probably 40 to 60 feet, you have really good visibility in all directions. But the deeper you go, the dimmer it gets to the point where Kenny, who is kind of in the lead, uh, he pops one of his flares. Also, while it doesn't affect you too much, you do feel a little bit of weight of water pressure on all sides uh, for those of you outside of the diving bell. For those of you inside the diving bell, as it begins, you know, lowering into the water, Dr. Mara speaks an incantation and you see like a... magical glyphs that have been carved into the bell on all sides begin to glow and she tells you this has been specifically enchanted to be resistant to most types of underwater pressure it's a shark shark proof glyph uh in a way yeah (laughs) oh i should mention if you're inside the diving bell uh this would not be normal but because this is a fantasy universe it can happen there's a little on each side there's a little circular glass porthole so that you can look outside while you're sinking the descent takes quite a long time it's probably three to four hours of descending and when you finally reach the bottom or what is close to the bottom it is pitch black around you or close to it now kitty you've got dark vision so this wouldn't be as you wouldn't be affected by this as much. But for other folks, I forget who... I, Red, do you have dark I vision? I believe I do, yes. Okay, so you would be in the same boat. <laughs> no pun intended. Thank, thank you all for not laughing at that. That definitely wasn't <laughs> worth it. Uh, oh, I also have dark vision. Oh. I did not expect that. Yeah, I think... Is Treble the only one that doesn't? Treble might, too. I think so. Treble is the only one that does not have dark vision. Do I have a cantrip for that? No, I don't. There's no, like, have dark vision. No, I meant, like, a light cantrip. I popped my flare. Mostly because I saw Kenny do it. Okay. So it's a little dim at first, but you can see from where Kenny has landed, he's actually using his spear gun to shoot holes into, like, the coral reef that's on the, the ocean floor. And in each of those, he's anchored a flare. He's got multiple flares, so that you've actually got, like, a little landing zone. And in the area that's highlighted by the flares, uh, you see some sandstone ruins. You see a small pyramid, several fallen obelisks. And while it's kind of overgrown with sea life, uh, it looks kind of like you're, you're in the middle of where a town used to be. A number of buildings, obviously in disrepair, but still recognizable as a town. Those of you outside the bell, Kenny, after he's done anchoring these flares in, he makes a motion to each of you 
to follow him, and he starts off in the direction of the small pyramid. Okay, I was going to say, when I see Kenny shooting his spear gun into the ground to anchor the flares, I look around at my stuff and I realize I don't have a spear gun, so I just start hitting my hammer on the ground, (laughs) (laughs) pretending I'm trying to mount flares in the ground. Even though you only have a flare? Yeah, I'm trying to mount my one flare in the ground. (laughs) But then I see a signalist, so I swim towards it. Okay, so you're all on the way towards this this pyramid. Let's see. Those of you who want to, go ahead and roll nature. I want to. Um, actually, okay, you can roll one of two things here. Or I guess you could roll both. Nature and or history. They're going to give you different things. Nature's better. That's an 18, Same. baby. I got 12 in nature. Uh, oh, history. Uh, 25 in history. 25 do i have a different dice okay so for i'll do history first then just based off of the architecture you can safely surmise that you're you are where the sunken continent used to be and this is one of those cities that was sunk um and you kind of remember too that a lot of the floating cities were built over the top of these sunken cities the sunken city of atlanta <laughs> Atlanta, the lost empire. I love Futurama. What's funny is I didn't know that was a, a Futurama joke. Oh, there's a whole episode where they go to the lost city of Atlanta and Fry falls in love with a mer woman, but then realizes how sex works with mer people and leaves. <laughs> I purposely have not lit my flare. Like, is it the kind of thing where. So I have minor illusion, so I was hoping to just kind of create like a little ball of flame in my hand, but does minor illusion actually create, would it create light? The problem is that there's a separate cantrip called light. And there's, and there's another cantrip called produce flame, which creates a ball of fire in your hand. So if I, if, if I were to create like a candle... I feel like you could. It just wouldn't cast as much light as an actual light cantrip, probably. Yeah, because I imagine a light cantrip could light an entire room, whereas you could probably light, I don't know, just a small proximity around you. Yeah, I'm just wondering, is it like, would it be equivalent to the flare, or would it be... It probably wouldn't... It would. I would say it would be equivalent of the flare. Trouble just wants to keep the flare. He's... Gotcha. He, he'll be walking forward, following behind Kenny as close as he can. Um, he's definitely out of his element, so he's trying to stay as close to... But you're in the diving bell with the doctor, aren't you? Right, but Kenny had proceeded forward, right? He got yeah. out of the bell and was proceeding yeah, forward. Yeah, I, I mean, the doctor has also exited also the diving bell at this oh, point. Okay. So okay. you're all, I'm yeah. I'm staying close to the doctor. Okay. The doctor has, like, a grease pencil and, like, a, a, a very thin piece of slate. And you can see her actually writing notes on it as you kind of walk by each of these ruins. Eventually, uh, you make your way to the foot of this pyramid. And uh, there's a short flight of steps and a ramp leading up to the, to the main entrance to the pyramid. This is where our story takes a turn for the macabre. If you were to look down, you would notice that you're stepping on a lot of bones. Are there a lot of, like, fish swimming around, too? Or is it pretty vacant of, of like, marine life? 
Uh, no, there's there's a good a good showing of marine life. You do notice that the fish are kind of avoiding the entrance to the pyramid. You definitely see more of them, like in the buildings that you had to go through or go by to get to the pyramid. Can I do like a religion or an insight or a con or something like that to just kind of get the like if the fish are avoiding this because it's like I, I'm trying to figure out if the bones are here because of the sinking or if this place is like cursed. Uh, okay. Did the bones come down with the ship or are they people it, that died here? I got a question. Did we ever resolve the nature check that I made? Would that help with figuring out any of this? Uh, it, it would, actually. So the nature check that you made was kind of to get a sense of what sea life was visible. Because you're at a depth that's... You're deep enough that a lot of the more common fish wouldn't necessarily be down here. And you would probably be seeing a lot more maybe predatory species. One thing you are, you do see some schools of fish, like there are still some, but you also see uh, the rather ominous outline of tall finned fish kind of swishing their way through the water. Almost out of the corner of your eye, because if, if you were to look at them directly, you couldn't quite know if they were there, but what looked to be like little tentacled creatures. So I get a, I get a sense with that nature check that these are a spooky bad. And we don't want to get too close. Uh, you could make that assumption. Okay. Yeah. All right. As far as you wanted to roll, what was it? Nature and or arcana? Was that correct? Yeah, or religion. Um, just kind of whatever would be most fitting for just trying to get the... I, I feel like it might be religion personally, but uh, like just kind of the overall, like, is this place cursed? Are we going into a place that we have to be like... Ah, uh, okay. What I'm going to have you do then, I'm going to give you different information depending on on what you roll for each of those so let's start with the nature that's a one okay so you you are not familiar at all with ocean things so you can you can safely conclude that they are in fact bones that you're seeing but yeah that's about it uh go ahead and roll religion Ah, that's a little better. 16. 16. You are able to recognize carved onto the sides of the entrance to this pyramid seals and cartouches that would be consistent with somebody who worships or worshipped Gua, the Maw of Reality. So, big old, big old snake carving. So I, of course, know what a cartouche is, but for my <laughs> friends, a cartouche is pretty <laughs> No, that's that's a good question. So a cartouche would be, like, in hieroglyphs, a lot of the time they would have, like, unique characters for specific people. And a cartouche would be, like, a combination of that plus their carved symbols for, like, pharaoh. So basically it's, like, a unique combination of... It's like a pharaoh pin number. A unique identifier to kind of set them apart. And it would be useful in cases where, like... You, there was an Egyptian pharaoh named Tutmos, and there were like six of these Tutmoses, and they kind of had to distinguish them. So each of them gets their own cartouche with their own thing, and you're golden. 
Got it. So not a car butt. Noted. Not, not. Oh, God. <laughs> I think we all have to take some damage. Oh, that's so good. Man, that was that actually was really good. I I thought I gave a pretty good summary, and then you just completely came in and made that joke so much better. It was, it was golden. It was an excellent summary. Oh my god. Um. So that's what a cartouche is, not to be confused. Uh, with a cartouche. <laughs> no, I think the last thing I was going to have you roll was Arcana. So. Go ahead and roll that. Ooh, that's even better. Uh, that's going to be a 21. There is a strong magical residue on a lot of these bones. So it's almost like if you had like a Geiger counter and you were looking for radiation, you just get a strong sense of, yeah, just a lot of ticking. Uh, coming off of these bodies. Some of them might have died from just the local wildlife. Some of them almost definitely got vaporized by whatever sunk that city. The other thing that you get is there's a strong magical presence just emanating from the pyramid itself from within it. And you also, kind of in keeping with that, the pyramid has remained in remarkably good shape. And there doesn't appear to be any, like, seaweed or kelp or barnacles growing on the sides of it, where the other buildings all have that. Okay. So, like, I promise there's a reason for my question. How is, like, the current down here? Is this, like, so, like, where I could, like, kind of draw something into the sand on the ground? Oh, I gotcha. Uh, no, you'd be able to do that. Yeah. So, I'm just gonna kind of tap... Kevin on the shoulder, and then in the sand, just write, caution, heavy magic. He reads it, and he nods to you, and he gives the symbol, he, like, po- takes, like, he makes a V with his index and middle finger, and he points at his eyes, and then he points up, like, eyes up, like, be cautious. And he draws a symbol of a shark fin. I cast message as a cantrip, and go, what are y'all talking about? Uh, hey, guys. Can we yeah. reply yes. to the message? Yes, you can. Uh, everybody be be careful. I've got the strong magical senses coming from this place, and it's not good. Not the good kind. So everybody keep your eyes peeled. Well, the only person hearing it is Red. Uh, it, I mean, I can spread that message that to message the other people that are within 30 feet of me, but... Yeah, it will just be us over in this area that will get that message. So at this point, the doctor comes over and kind of witnesses this exchange. And you see her, like, make an ornate sign with her hand. And a little bubble is conjured and kind of expands around you. And kind of pushes the water out. So it surrounds the group. And you can hear voices as normal within this bubble. We're here, and I apologize for not making this clear sooner. 
Sakesh, uh, the gentleman we're trying to get stuff from, uh, he was a priest of, of some great power, so it's no surprise that his, uh, well, his tomb has, has some residual power in it. Yeah, so now that we're here, does anybody have second thoughts, or are we ready to go and unearth this coffin? I mean, get these goods. Let's unearth this coffin. I mean, get these goods. And Treble gives him a wink. Is there a guy in the coffin? (laughs) If he's not there, that'll be real fucking awkward now, won't it? It should be fine. Alright, let's do it. I'm sure it'll be fine. I I haven't had any uh, traumatic experiences with coffins in the past couple of days, so that should be fine. <laughs> Everyone has forgotten oh, about that from a few Oh no, years. I remember your baby, co- okay. your baby yes. coffin. Uh, yeah. The amount of jokes that have been told in this episode, dear listener, that have been with responded nothing. with utter silence is, is baffling. We're all it's we've been recording for an hour and a half and we're very tired at this point. You all feel beneath your feet a slight rumbling. And the ground shakes ever so slightly. And following that, you just see a disturbance in the water about a hundred feet off to your left. So basically, off to your left between the pyramid and the place where the diving bell is anchored. And you see just the faintest, faintest glimpse of a large, very large fish. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Dial M for Magic. Your cast, as always, was Jordan Fugit as Treble, Dan Rogland as Red, Bobby K. Kuffner was Kitty Bradley, Nathan Pierce was Herman Cranberry, and our Dungeon Master was Henry Rogland. We wanted to take this time to thank you all for your loyal listening over the past year or so. We're super excited for what's coming next on our Patreon. We wanted to give you a little background of it. We've been working really hard on the Middle Management Chronicles. It's taken us a long time to kind of come together, and Henry's had to create a lot of classes and change a lot of things, but we're super excited for what's coming down for that. So definitely make sure to head on over to our Patreon, and if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, because that's going to be some content that you definitely are not going to want to miss. We will be releasing the first episode for everybody to listen to, but every other episode in that series will be a part of the Patreon. In the meantime, there's plenty of unedited episodes where you get all the behind-the-scenes footage and all that good stuff. As always, give us a follow on Twitter at M4MagicCast or on Instagram at dial underscore M underscore podcast. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Your next episode will be coming at you on August 4th. We look forward to seeing you then. out of 10. I too love that joke and understand crypto, crypto. It's about cryptocurrency. Ah, Cryptocurrency market unstable. Cut out the part where we had to explain the joke to Jordan. It makes it less funny. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling Jordan was already going to do that. Jordan, cut out the part where we make you not seem as stupid.
Yeah. Nope. You know yep. what I mean. You smell what I mean. <laughs>